0: For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Shared Knowledge Podcast for DJs. This is episode 64. I'm your host, DJ TLM, representing Amsterdam City, the Netherlands. And I do this weekly podcast, just to try to add some value to the DJ community by answering as many questions as I possibly can, based on my 25-plus years of experience as um, a bedroom DJ, club DJ, festival DJ, tour DJ, mixtape DJ, radio DJ, TV host, event organizer, promoter, Uh, I've done all of that and some other things as well. Session musician, uh, you name it. So I just try to, like I said, share the knowledge, share my experience, and at the same time, every week I try to learn as much as I can. Not just by uh, catching up on all the new stuff happening, but also by reading your comments. Because I feel every DJ's experience is different You could have a 30, 40 year career as a DJ, but it does not mean that someone else could have a totally different experience based on where you play, how you play, et cetera. So I'm learning new stuff on a daily basis. That's what Shared the Knowledge is all about. We can all learn from each other. Um, I'm just gonna go through some of the comments on my YouTube channel. If you're not familiar with my YouTube uh, channel, that's DJTLMTV. So I'll check the comments there. And I'm going through my DMs on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram or anywhere else on social, the handle is DJTLM. And I want to send a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, and that is Banzoogle. And if you want to learn more about Banzoogle, you can check out the links in the description box below. And if you like what you see there, you can use the code SHARE to get a nice discount on your first year. They're a service to help you build websites very easily. You can check out sharethenowledgepodcast.com. I made that website with the Banzoogle templates in no time. Now, the first question I'm gonna get into is in the DMs on Instagram, and the question is, I'm just getting into the actual art of DJing and not just providing a service, but since private events is what I do, I would love to hear about any experience of you doing private events, branding, and running it as a business. Also interested to hear what you think of scratching and remixing firing wedding receptions. Uh, from what I've learned, you don't normally do private events, but any info would help. It's true to a certain degree. Like as far as weddings go, I don't do a lot of weddings. I think I've done three, three weddings in my entire um, time as a DJ. And that is based on the fact that I just like to do gigs that I like, gigs that suit me, gigs that allow me to play the genres I like to play, and uh, hopefully in front of a crowd that likes the genres that I play. Weddings are definitely a different thing. Most of the weddings will have an audience that is so diverse that it means that you're gonna have to play all sorts of stuff. Now, I'm all about playing different genres of music, but when it comes to a lot of weddings, It's not just the genres I like. You have to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. So I've never done that. The only weddings I did play were actual bookings where the people that were getting married were already familiar with me. Uh, They used to come to the events where I used to DJ and they knew exactly what they would get when they booked me. Now, that is simply a case of branding. So, in my case, they knew what they would get when they got me, and that is exactly what they wanted. And for me, that means that when they booked me, they knew what they were getting, and I got to DJ the same way I would DJ at a club. Now, of course, there were a couple of minor differences. So, for instance, I did have like a list of requests from the bride, and there were a couple of songs in there that I would not normally play. Of course, that's not an issue. I played all of those songs. I mean, that's the bride. But beyond that, I really stuck to doing what I normally do. Same with the other weddings as well. So in my case, that means that they actually wanted me to come in and hit them with that hip-hop, R&B, New Jack Swing type flavor. So I'm always game for that. And of course, I can extend that to... Genres that would fit well. So if I'm doing hip hop RB and and New Jack Swing, we could take a little further back and add some disco, soul, funk to that. We could also go a little bit more towards the electronic, but uh, not all the way EDM, but maybe add some two-step, some UK garage type of stuff, soulful stuff. Um, there's plenty of ways to go, but, hey, it all depends on the party. If there's, like, a lot of people there that are even willing to take it a little bit further, we can do that as well. Um... Private events, I've done private events. And when it comes to private uh, events, so not weddings, but just like um, mostly business-type private events, um, in that case, sometimes I didn't really get to play my style. That's why I kind of stopped doing those things because I just found that for me it doesn't work. Uh, There was a lot more money to be made there. That's a fact, especially if you do uh, the business gigs where you have like corporate events private corporate events, you can get paid well. I got paid more there than I got paid for any club gigs. But to me, it wasn't worth it if after the night I felt like I did not have a good time. And I'm not taking that from an egotistical standpoint, like I didn't get to scratch as much as I want to or anything like that. No, it just felt like uh, at certain points during that event, I felt more like background music because they also hired me to DJ while they were still having dinner. Um, and they had a certain theme, so it included certain types of music that were just not interesting to me. And I was doing it, and at that time, I realized that that was not for me. But you know what? I digress, because now I'm taking it to my personal experience, but in this case, the question is um, if I have any advice when it comes to doing private events and branding, uh, it's a little bit hard for me to really go into that, because my experience with that is limited. That's because it was never my goal to do events like that. But if you're going to do those private events, you should at least be open to do a lot of different things, play a lot of different styles. And um, marketing-wise, it would be interesting to have actually a couple of like DJs that do a lot of private events chime in on this. And I know that's going to be a little bit hard if we're just listening to the podcast because if you're listening on Stitcher or if you're listening on um, Spotify or anywhere else, it's going to be hard to have all the comments in the same place. So what I think I'll do is I'm going to make a post in the DJ TLM TV community tab. So you will have to go to my YouTube page. I'll make a post there uh, about this very topic to see if some of the community members have some insight when it comes to this. So my apologies for not giving you anything that you can really use uh, and turning it into a rant, but that's my personal experience with private events. It's not really my thing. Again, I'll brand myself to be exactly who I am, and sometimes I will get booked to do a private event where they want me, as me, to play how I play, and then I'll be glad to do it And to me, then the experience is not that different from playing a club set. Um, So that's basically it, man. All right, I have a, a question here. This is a response to my Beats Bars and Phrases video that's all about counting music. And the question is, you say that counting beats is one of the most important things to learn. So what is the most important thing to learn in music? I would have to say that counting music or counting beats, is actually also very important when you're learning about music. I explained that in the video because once you understand how to count music, you'll start to recognize the structure of songs. You'll start to recognize patterns and like I said, structure, you'll start to recognize how a lot of tracks will work with intros and breakdowns, choruses, verses, build-ups, you name it. And a lot of that stems from counting. Now the thing with counting music is in the beginning, it is an actual exercise where you're literally counting. But at a certain point, once you master counting music, you're not counting anymore. It becomes a natural instinct. It becomes second nature. Now for me, this happened early because I started out drumming before I ever DJed. So for me, when I started to practice DJing, I never thought about beats bars or phrases. It all just felt natural to me. Of course, you're gonna start your transition there on the one. I didn't even call it the one, but I knew exactly where I was supposed to begin because I already understood how music works through drumming. So for me, I think counting music, counting beats bars and phrases, is one of those fundamental things that can help you out a lot. Now, trust me, there's a lot of people that learned how to mix and didn't even know how to count music well, but they'll get stuck at certain points, and you can hear it, because they might learn how to beat match, but then when it's time to do a transition, sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they'll start their transition on the wrong count, and then you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? That transition just started on the three, not on the one, And in that case, the DJ most likely didn't recognize where the phrase began, and they just started somewhere. Um, Another thing that some DJs really, really feel is important, and I understand why, is key. I never got into key, and even now, I'm not accustomed to mixing according to key, but you can't create beautiful transitions by actually paying attention to it. But again, this is one of those things that came a little bit more natural to me because somehow I used to be able to feel and hear when certain songs didn't match. So I'm not talking about the tempo, but I could just hear when I was beat matching and I got them in sync and I made a transition or was doing like long blends, I could just hear that something sounded wrong. Now, it turns out, and I learned that later, that that was because they were not in the same key. So even though I didn't know about key in that way, I could feel it. I could hear it. I would have two bass lines in there clashing, not because they were both low end, but because they were in totally different keys. Or you could just hear when you were mixing an acapella with an instrumental that Somehow the vocals of that, so I'm talking about singing in this case, that the vocals, the melody of the vocals just totally didn't match with the music. Now, again, that's key. So I do feel that it's an important thing to, well, learn if you don't know about it, but I can't really say how. I, I, I didn't learn. I just knew <laughs> somehow. I just felt it. Maybe it just came from listening to a lot of music since I was young, That you get accustomed to how things should sound and that that allows you to recognize when things sound, quote unquote, wrong, different. Um, So, yeah, I can't really elaborate more. I would still say counting beats, counting music is very important uh, when it comes to music because it is one of those foundations, one of those things that will help you understand music a lot better. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Banzoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website, And that was very easy. Banzuko plans started just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code share to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. By the way, just to mention right here in between, uh, I feel Instagram right now is probably one of the best places to connect with people and brands like using the D- the DMs to uh, connect. For me, a lot of times, it will work better. I'm talking like if it's if it's a person or if it's a brand, this works a lot better and faster than email most of the times. And I'll admit, I, I used to be one of those guys, maybe because I am a little bit older, who I, c- I couldn't really get used to the idea of people trying to do business through social media. What I mean by that is a couple of years ago, People were sending me booking requests through Facebook and I wasn't really checking my Facebook messages often enough. So I would run into a message on Facebook two months too late. And in my eyes, I was just mad. Like, why are these people so unprofessional? Because now I'll admit, I still feel it's not the best way to do things if you're looking to book an artist. But I have my contact info everywhere. So it's not hard for people to at least find my email address If you don't find it on the social media page where you're at, then you'll find my website and you'll find it there. But I would say you would always try to do that as well if you're trying to book an artist. But back then, a couple of years ago, I definitely didn't feel it. I didn't understand it. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. It felt unprofessional for people just to reach out through a Facebook message. But over the years, I've definitely grown to get accustomed to it and do it myself as well. And for certain things, I now see that we've shifted so far that reaching out to people through social media, reaching out to brands through social media has been working a lot better than I would ever imagine it would. So um, just wanted to mention that right here in between because I'm going through my DMs and I'm seeing all of the conversations I have going on And all of the brands that I'm currently talking to. I'm working on a lot of stuff for you guys right now uh, as far as reviews to do a lot, lot more. And all I can say, there's a bunch, and I mean a bunch of stuff on the way. And as soon as all of that gets here, I'll be shooting review after review after review. And keep in mind, some of these things have been reviewed by a lot of channels. That's not important to me. I don't have to be first. I just know that I always get a lot of requests from people who want to hear my opinion. Uh, I appreciate that, and I want to know myself as well. Now, certain things I've already touched before, but uh, I'll get to thoroughly test them. So the Rain 72, Rain 12 on their way. Um, The SE5000M is also going to be checked. And for instance, right here, I have a box. Check that out. That is SoundSwitch, SoundSwitch DJ, and that is a system that will allow you to use your DJ set together with lights. Now, you could always use lighting during your DJ set. Of course, you could just set up lights, let the lights do their thing, or have a separate computer there to control the lights. SoundSwitch will allow you to use your DJ set to actually control the lighting. You could also make entire um, plans, light plans within the software like a choreography If you have, for instance, a routine, and then the lights will actually follow that entire routine, stuff like that. Now I'm saying this without having thoroughly went through it, so I'll have a better, more thorough explanation when I do the review. Uh, Only thing right now is I still have to wait for lights because I have DJ sets, I have sound switch, now I need lights, otherwise I can't show how it works. Um, but I'm actually very excited to try that out. If that is something that will work well for me, it might be something that I could incorporate uh, for certain shows, not even my own DJ shows, but more likely when I'm doing shows with brain power, um, or even if I'm shooting uh, like a routine in the studio. So looking forward to doing that. And I'm also going to start reviewing more DJ related gear, but not necessarily just uh, equipment. But there's a lot of other stuff that DJs and producers need as well. Uh, I still get people asking me like, what laptop do I use? What's the exact model of the MacBook Pro I use? It's not important. I mean, I'll tell you it's a late 2013 MacBook Pro, so it's old, but all you need to do is check out what it is you wanna start using So what type of software or hardware it is, but anything that requires a laptop. And then you check out the brand product page and you check the minimum specifications for whatever you want to use. And then you go look at laptops and you check out their specifications. And then you're straight. Then you need Then you have what you need. So don't look at other artists and try to get exactly what they have because this MacBook Pro that I have right here might not even be the best option for whatever it is that you want to use. So um, that's just something to keep in mind. But again, this is like an older, refurbished 2013 uh, MacBook Pro because new they were just way too expensive. And this has served me well for quite some time. So possibly in the near future, I might do this again and then I'll get like a refurbished uh, 2000. 16 or 17 model. Still gonna be a hell of a lot cheaper than getting like a brand new one. All right, I see one more technical question here, and I wanna take that as the last question, then I have to proceed with the rest of the planned schedule here in the studio. But the question is, is there a pattern that one can follow when you're bringing in the second track? For instance, do you drop the second track at the end of a verse of track one, or after the chorus slash hook? Also, do you drop track two in with the verse or possibly when the track actually starts? Um, Great question, that is what we call timing. So once you understand how to count music and you start to understand the structure of songs, this will allow you to start thinking about transitions, about mixing in this very fashion. So a lot of tracks will start with an intro or will have a couple of bars of beats not all, but a lot of times it, it will happen or it could be an actual longer buildup. Um, in my case, playing hip-hop and r a lot of times I will have eight bars at the beginning or I'm using a DJ edit where they actually made an edit that has an eight bar beginning. So just drums. And... I'll mix that into the chorus, the hook of a track, because most likely that hook will be eight bars as well. Of course, you have to count that for every track just to be sure. But if I'm playing a track, I'll play that track. I'll play one verse and a hook, maybe two verses. And then when the next hook comes in, that's where I'll start my transition. That's what I'll do a lot of times. So it doesn't matter how many verses you play the track but after a verse, when the hook begins on that one, that's where you start your transition. If that hook is eight bars, and the intro of my other track is eight bars, after that transition is done, so eight bars later, that's when the verse of the new track begins, and that's where you have the old track all the way out. That's a very clean, easy transition. Now, you don't have to do it that way, You could also start it after the hook of another track and just bring it in on the one. So in that case, you're not gonna mix, you're just gonna drop it. Um, But beyond that, you have so many more options depending on how long maybe an intro or a hook is. So one more example, if your chorus is eight bars, but you have four bars of beat at the beginning of the second track, you could also let the chorus play for four bars, then bring the four bars of drums in, and then your transition will still make sense or you loop the four bars so you can play for eight bars and then it can go over the entire eight bar chorus. There is so many options. So I hope that makes sense and I hope that helps you out. So that's where I'm going to end episode 64 of the Shared the Knowledge podcast for DJs. I'm your host, DJ TLM. I'll be back next week with another session. I want to send a special shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Bandzoogle. Make sure you check out their info and in the links in the description box down below. Uh, tune in every week and check me out on YouTube. The channel is DJ TLM. TV. if you have any questions you know where to find me on social the handle is djtlm send me an email share the knowledge at djtlm.com or check me out on djtlm.com all right see you next time